Welcome to Coping with COVID-19. This editorially independent program from the editors of Modern Aesthetics Magazine and Practical Dermatology Magazine is made possible with advertising from Care Credit. This is part two of episode eight. Wendy Lewis and Drs. Anthony Yoon and Jason Bloom discuss when and how aesthetic practices will reopen and what normal may look like in the post-COVID-19 world. When do you see things coming back in semi-normalcy and how are you planning for rebuilding and reopening and and where does that get started? Because I think there's a lot of confusion as the best way to go about it. I I think, you know, honestly, there's not, we don't really know. I mean, right now, um, I would say on a very, very optimistic level. Um, And I think it also depends on the area, you know, on an optimistic level, I certainly think that, um, hopefully things will be, I mean, the term back to normal is like, that's out the window. But I, I certainly think um, maybe hopefully in the, like by the beginning of June, I'm hoping to things to be kind of, um, maybe opened my office at that time, starting to see patients. Um, but like, again, I, you know, I do a lot of rhinoplasty and nasal surgery and you know, that's a very aerosolizing procedure. Are things going to be, you know, different? Are we going to require testing prior to surgery? I certainly think that is a a distinct possibility. Um, But I can just add one thing in particular that we were talking about this. We had a a, a Zoom happy hour uh, office uh, meeting on uh, like a, a week ago. And, you know, we were just talking about how we uh, foresee things. And I said, you know, this is, everyone's been out of work for a while now, right? And now people are going to actually be wanting to get to work and actually making money. And so potentially opening my office for extended hours and have more after work hours, maybe it's a weekend that somebody who, you know, wants to be in work, they can't have that same downtime and, and take off in the middle of the day to come see us. Now they maybe come in on a weekend day or after work in order to like be there for them if they need that. Something that I have been thinking about the last few days, especially as here in Detroit, uh, the hospital I work out of, the numbers seem to finally be starting to drop a bit. Um, And just like Jason said, I don't think we quite know yet. Some of this is going to be up to our elected officials of what they allow to open up. My thoughts, so I do all types of cosmetic um, from face down to um, tummy tucks and stuff. And my guess is that right now, I mean, we do a lot of injections, but my thought is that my employees will be pretty um, hesitant to get back into people's faces for a while. And I think it really is gonna come down to a couple of things. The first thing is testing. Are we gonna have widespread testing so that we know whether somebody uh, is IgG positive, whether they've got antibodies to the virus? Um, because we know, do know that there are asymptomatic carriers. And just because somebody doesn't have a fever doesn't mean that they don't have um, coronavirus, COVID, and can spread it. So that's going to be a big thing. Obviously, vaccines, but it doesn't sound like that's going to be happening for at minimum, you know, six months, if not a year. Um, so that's the other thing. And so there is a thought of maybe starting out doing surgery where we're going to be very controlled and more body surgeries um, where everything is fairly well controlled. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's the challenge. And I think when you look at practices and cash flow, you know, this, this being mainly to practitioners, you know, when you've got a complete 
uh, stoppage of your cash flow, what would you start out with? Ideally not with the low paying procedures, but hey, let's get some money back in the coffers to start paying our employees again. So that's kind of what I'm looking at initially. I think it also comes down to PPE. You know, at that point, a month, two months from now, when we open up, are we going to have any five masks to be able to use? Or are they still going to be really needed for our healthcare workers in the hospitals? All of that is still up in the air. Jason? Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, yeah, PPE is going to be a big issue. And, and actually, interestingly, when you think about it, you know, I, I thought about the last time, like, I go to the dentist or something like that. And a lot of, like, you know, healthcare workers actually from the dental field, they've always worn masks. The girls in my office were, and my wife were saying, oh, when I get my nails done, they, they wear a mask. And so I, I think actually, you know, we're in people's faces a lot. And I think there's going to be kind of that increase push to, you know, PPE for sure, wearing masks and things like that might be the new norm, certainly for the next, you know, six months or so until we figure out what's, uh, what's safe. Um, and, it, you know, I, I really, I'm, I'm hoping that they have a more rapid test um, prior to, um, you know, to undergoing surgeries. Um, but it's really going to depend on what the, like, as you said, elected officials and hospital systems are doing. Um, and, and even if they do open it up, you know, we need to make sure that it's safe for our patients, our staff, and our families before we do anything. So may, they might say, oh, it's safe to let go and we can do, you know, elective surgeries again. But, you know, we need to pump the brakes a little bit and say, wait a second, um, maybe let's not go right into that at the beginning. I think for surgeons, this is what I, I think, I'm trying to put myself in a patient's perspective rather than only the physician's perspective. I gotta tell you, I mean, I, I know that I'm sure you had busy packed surgery schedules and you had to cancel surgery. So I'm assuming that those patients were planning for this, they took time off and you know what, go, oh, we all know what goes into that and they paid a deposit. So how did you handle that? I mean. Are those the patients who are going to want to reschedule? I'm just questioning whether, like if it was me, as much as, you know, I'm certainly not shy of surgery, I would not want to have surgery in the near future because I would really want to see things settle down. Do you think patients are going to be afraid to have surgery? And has that come up? Have they asked you about it? Uh, so, yeah, I agree. I think some people are going to be afraid, but there still are those people who really want it. And I, we, I mean, I'm doing virtual consultations now and people are yes. taking dates in May just because right now our hospital is telling us that we're, start, we're still booking cases in May. I don't think it's gonna happen necessarily, but that's technically what we're doing. Um, as far as what we did with patients who canceled, um, you know, we have policies in place where if you cancel this, this much, this period of time before surgery, then you, know, then you lose this much money. I got rid of it all. And if you cancel your surgery, I gave all, all your money back. Like, the surgery deposit, everything, um, because the last thing that I want to do is when we're in a pandemic <laughs> and people are losing their jobs is to try to keep $500 of money that they paid expecting that they're going to get surgery and not. So all of that, basically, we just paid everything back um, because I just think it's the right thing to do. Yeah, I, 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 I totally agree with you. I mean, I, we so... Um, I'm certainly haven't been scheduling in May. I, I, I did some virtual consults today and my office manager scheduled. We're, we're looking at um, June, July, August um, at this point. And I think that's more realistic. Yeah, and, and we rescheduled everyone um, 
through April. We have also put all the patients in May on notice that if you feel like you want to reschedule, you can go ahead and do that just to, to you know, have a better sense of where we're going to know. But I said, you know, we might be moving you, certainly. Um, and then regarding the, um, the fee, yes, yeah, certainly, I don't have patients pay in full until a month prior, um, but there is a, um, a deposit. Now, we, uh, we have, um, most people have rescheduled. I would say over 80% of the patients have rescheduled. I'm thinking of one person in particular where she just told me and she owns a, a big hair salon um, and in Philadelphia area. And she said, listen, I've been planning on doing this. And she, the reason I can say this is she put it all out there. Um, and she said, you know, I've been planning on doing this for a long time. And now I have, you know, weddings that have been pushed back, a lot of things. And I don't think I'm going to be able to do it this year. And this was, she had been saving up for this. And I said, it's all good. Let's just figure out when you're ready to do it. And I gave her every cent of the money back, deposit and all. I mean, it's just, we're not those kind of people that need to do that. You know, we want the patients to be comfortable, certainly prior to, to rescheduling them. And, you know, so, cause they certainly put off a lot of their time and, um, and their lives for these kind of things. I, I actually 100% agree. I mean, to keep someone's deposit at this moment in time to me is like black mark. That's an immediate Yelp. <laughs> I mean, that is not going to help you. And it's just, you know what? It's not the right thing to do, period. It's kind of immoral. I mean, it's bad enough that we have to fight with Delta Airlines. You know, I have credits on Delta Airlines for the next two years that I probably will never use. And I, I had to call American Express, like, why is Delta hanging on to my money when the US government is gonna bail them out? I don't see anyone bailing out plastic surgeons. And, and yet you're doing well, the I'm right. hoping. We're, I'm waiting right. for my PPT shot, so we'll see. <laughs> Me too. Any Me too. day okay. now, right? Any day now. I mean, it's just crazy. So let's talk a little bit about the virtual, because Tony brought it up. And I think this is really important for listeners, because I'm virtual everything now. And I think, I think two things are going to stick, among others. But two things in our lives, virtual everything, yes, and masks. I, I agree with Jason. I don't think masks are going away. And I'm already looking to see who's going to come out with the first Chanel and designer masks because that's a big business and I want part of it. I mean, we are going to be wearing masks for a really long time. I don't foresee getting on a plane anytime in the near future without a mask on or any kind of, I mean, I'm, you know, reconsidering a lot of the conferences that I've gone to that have tens of thousands of people in them. So I think everyone's kind of at that point, but the virtual aspects of your practice. So virtual consults, how do you do it? Do you charge for it? I'm, I'm guessing no. How do you do it? How do you promote it? Give the, give the listeners some tips that have worked for you. What system do you use? Is it encrypted? All that good stuff. You want to uh, start, Tony? Um, yeah, sure. So, you know, for me, I've gotten myself to a point where we have a pretty hefty consultation fee. So we have dropped that consultation fee to about two thirds for the virtual consultation. Um, so right now I charge normally $4.97 for a consultation. They're paying, they're paying $3.50 for a virtual consultation and then the remainder $147 they pay when they come into the office for a face-to-face. -face. Uh, and then of that, a good portion of that is taken off the surgery if they do have it. Um, so, you know, technically if you're going to set this up in a whole other time, then you would need to have something that's HIPAA compliant and encrypted. 
But one thing that the government has done is they have lowered yes. some of those um, standards. So you can technically do these types of things on FaceTime and on Zoom. Uh, you just can't do it on things like TikTok, Instagram, Facebook Live, you know, those types of things you can't. So that's a good thing that the government has dropped some of those standards to allow us to, you know, really hit the ground running with these types of things. Uh, what we've done basically is, is look at who's been booked for consultations and offer this as an option for them to, to get in early to, to talk with me. Uh, and then what we've told all of them is, look, if you do this online consultation uh, or this virtual consultation, we will give you first crack. We're going to move you up to the, to the front of the line for coming into the office and scheduling your surgery. So our first priority are those patients who've been rescheduled, their surgery has been rescheduled, and then would be the patients who've done the virtual consultations. Because part of it, honestly, I don't think I would do it if it was for free, um, because where I'm, what I'm looking for is, yeah, is, and it's, it's getting a little bit of cash flow in the office. I've got nine employees and I have not laid any of them off. I'm still paying them because I don't want them to have to go through the, you know, the difficulties of unemployment. And so for me, any type of money that comes in right now is a blessing to help me pay for my employees. Now I haven't paid myself, but that's a different story. And I'm, you know, I'm a plastic surgeon. I don't, <laughs> I don't I'm fine. Um, but that's, that has been definitely helpful. Yeah. So for me, it's a little bit of a, a different story. So I, you know, and I'm sure you've been doing this too. I've, I've been doing virtual consults for well over a year um, because I have, you know, approximately a handful of patients, probably about uh, five a month that come in, fly in for surgery, uh, mainly noses, uh, <laughs> primary rhinoplasty. Certainly I can figure out what's going on. I see those patients the day before surgery um, in my office just to verify what I have saw, seen virtually. Um, and then they stay for usually five to eight days and they fly back. So I've had this system um, set up for doing virtual consults. I actually have never charged for them. I usually do them on off hours before. So I was doing them, you know, after I put my kids to sleep, I would uh, do a virtual consult um, using mainly Zoom. And now there's a, another platform, doxy.me, that has been um, pretty good for, for doing this. Um, and it's good. And, and also through Doxy, they can send you photos that you can evaluate. I usually ask them to send me photos prior so that I can look at the pictures. And then when I meet them virtually, um, kind of verifying some of the things I've seen. Um, you know, and, and one other thing that uh, Wendy mentioned that I think is going to be kind of the next wave is, you know, these conferences that we've you know been going to and now it's nice to see colleagues and you know I, I will I will miss that but certainly I think doing some virtual meetings and being able to like listen to some great speakers um, while sitting in your living room or something like that uh, will be kind of the next wave um, I, I was aware that there was a recent plastic surgery meeting like a world virtual first ever world virtual plastic surgery meeting that just happened at the end of March. I was really interested to hear it because I think some of, um, you know, that will be the future and a great way to like present information and, and listen to great speakers that we might have not have access to prior. It also allows you to get CME in right. your bedroom, in your pajamas <laughs> at any time. And I mean, I think I've been saying this for a very long time. And I, I think, you know, in 2008, 
certain things were starting to happen, like digital was taking over and print was dying. Well, it just, it, it sort of facilitated a complete takeover of digital over print, basically. And it's still, you know, there's very little print still making money and we're all subscribing. I think the same is true here. I think virtual is gonna be part of our lives no matter what. Um, there'll still be meetings, there'll still be CME, you're still gonna to go to trainings, you're still gonna do those things, but virtual is now, you're comfortable with it, right? Because a lot of doctors who've never really used Zoom or these platforms are now doing it every day. So it becomes kind of part of your normal routine. And there are a lot of advantages, not to mention the cost-saving factors of it. I, I think, I mean, I know that HSS has, has um, sort of relieved some of the restrictions, but to me, I'm always lawyer's daughter. I'm always looking at you know, HIPAA compliance. And I think there are a lot more platforms coming out right now. I just read that I think RealSelf is doing them now. So I think we're gonna see a lot more op options for doing virtual consults. And I do think patients will get comfortable with that. Yeah. And, and that just allows, another thing. that's good for you because it allows you to expand your reach. And then Absolutely. like Jason said, they, if they wanna come to have Dr. Bloom do their rhinoplasty, they'll get on a plane and that saves them time and money too. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And the one other thing that I want um, to mention is that, you know, I, I work a lot with uh, industry in the um, injectables arena. And um, one thing that we've kind of gone to uh, more recently and we're rolling out is a number of companies are having more peer-to-peer -peer virtual trainings. So whereas I would do kind of local, regional, or even national um, symposia where we would do live injections, now, you know, and I even say, really 75% of what we do as injectors kind of happens before you even pick up a syringe and choosing products and talking anatomy. And so a lot of the companies have kind of picked up on this whole, pivoted a little bit, picked up on the whole virtual idea. And we're doing things like virtual cadaver labs, virtual trainings, webinars, things like that to, um, and, and it's been, there's been some really, really good, like actually education out there. Um, I've, been involved in a couple like you know Instagram lives just talking about areas just freely amongst the community and, uh, and people have really been listening in and uh, and have responded to it yeah I do want to commend um, all of the companies our vendors are really doing a lot to send a lot of information out there and courses and I've actually forwarded a lot of these to my employees and while they're sitting at home I said look this is a good time get caught up with some of the things that you would have ideally liked to, like to do, but you're too busy for it. 